So tonight is our 24th Tanakh and Yan Nudiyah Mishir. And this is on, yeah, it's been, we've been going for a while. Uh, so this, the topic is Rus, the pride of David HaMelech's dynasty. That's the, name of the, that's the name of the Shir. And what we're going to talk about is what is the purpose of, Meg- of Megillus Rus. Um, the last four psukim of Megillus Rus um, tell us the way David HaMelech has descended from Rus. says Bayaz and Ayvad and Yishai and, and David. And it seems like that was the whole purpose of the whole Megillah, to lead us to that, to see how it is that, that um, David HaMelech was descended from Rus. And it seems to indicate that this was something that David HaMelech was very proud of. And it's something that we're, uh, we're, we're laning and it was, it was written in order so that everybody could know the, 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 the Hashivas and the, the, the great pride they had that they were descended from such a great woman. So we'll see that it's not so simple. <laughs> and it's actually quite fascinating what the, the true inner nature of this connection is. So why do we lay in Megillus Rus on Shavuos of all times, right? What is the, what is the importance to lay in it then? So there's quite a number of reasons given. The more well-known reason is given in Shulchan Aruch, and it says it's because the Megillah is all about Chesed, which is Rus herself was kind to her mother-in-law and, and accompanied her. She uh, was granted kindness when the Bayaz and the, the others gave, gave her the Matnasanim, the, the gifts that we give to the poor. Then she did another kindness by marrying Bayaz and so on and so forth. It all uh, revolves around kindness. And the Torah itself also revolves around kindness. The Torah begins with kindness that uh, Hashem made the world, and then he made clothing for Adam Arishan and for Chava, and then the end of the Torah, he buries Maishra Benu. So the Torah also revolves around kindness. That's the simple reading, uh, understanding of why we lay in Megillus Rus on Shavuos. Now, it needs to be understood a little better what that means, that the Torah revolves around ki- kindness and Megillus Rus in what revolves around kindness. And I'm going to focus on another reason why we lay in Megillus Rus on Shavuos, and uh, that other reason, I think, will help us understand what this reason really means. What's the kindness that we're talking about? And what are we meant to learn from this kindness? So, so I want to focus on another reason. The other reason you may have heard as well. It's a little less less known, and uh, that reason is, I believe, the first one to say this reason is a sefer called Bukhar Shar. It was written by someone named Rebel Alexander Sender Shar, who lived at the end of the 1600s. So that's the first source over here. He says, Al-Pihai Yerushalmi, the David makes Batsaris. David passed away on Shavuos. We know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees to it that all Tzadikim live full and wholesome years from day to day. So if so, if he passed away on Shavuos, he must have been born on Shavuos as well, right? Who else do we know that about? Meshavain, right? He passed away in Zainada and he was born on Zainada. The Ikr Sefer Rus Liach is David, and the real purpose of Sefer Rus is to give us the lineage of David. With Kolshkein, Kumasha Kosov Khan, the Kriya Shem Rus, Ashatsmina Dav, we'll get that in a minute. Well, Haki Kairn Rus, Vimle Dasai. That's why we lay in Rus on Shavuos, because it was the day that David HaMalach was born and also passed away. So it's a 
I guess, explaining, teaching us how he was born, where he came from, because he was born on Shavuos. Okay, that's an interesting reason. Uh, it makes sense, and actually, uh, the Mekubal, Rav Chaim Shafalaji, and the great Mekubalim, and his son as well, they both write that there is a big Indian to say Tehillim on Shavuos, and it, it's uh, accepted in Shemayim even more than it is all year, because it's David HaMelech's Sefer, and it's David HaMelech's that he passed away, so it has a special significance in Shemayim. So there's an Indian to say Tehillim on Shavuos. Um, but, okay, so we know a connection now between David and Malach and Shavuos, he passed away on that day, but still, what does it have to do with Shavuos, right? It's, it ha- he happens to have passed away on that day, but why does that shed light on what can, what's the significance of it? So here's a Chassam Sefer, and this is really an amazing Chassam Sefer, and the whole show is going to be revolving around what he says, so just understand what he says. So he's coming to explain a Gemara in, uh, in, Baba, in, in uh, Brachas, and the Gemara is uh, a Gemara that's known. The Gemara says, why was Rus called Rus? Why was that her, uh, why was that her name? So the Gemara says, Shazachsa v'yatsim imenu David, shirivehu la Kaddish Baruch Hu v'shirei s'sish Brachas. So why was, why was Rus called Rus? Why did she have that name? So Gemara is, kind of, is trying to explain the reason for names, right? So why was she called Rus? Because she was Zeichah to have a grandson, David HaMelech, who was Rivehu HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He satiated HaKadosh Baruch Hu with Shiras and Sushbachas, with uh, praises and with songs. So Rus is like Shirais, or Revois. Or either, it's either it's like Shirais, it's uh, songs, or Rus is like Revois, that she satiated HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So her grandson satiated HaKadosh Baruch Hu with his praises. So many of them asked, which is bothering Scham Sefer too, is what caused the Gemara to make this uh, deduction? Like what was bothering the Gemara that it found a reason to say, well, Rus, David is the same. Why? So nearly the Kashalei, the Gemara had a problem. Kivin the Kala Megillah Nichtava Mishum Yichus David Amalech Alavsham. Being that the whole this whole Megillah's Rus was written for the sake of teaching us the lineage of David Amalech, Havla LeKrois say Megillah's David. We would should call it Megillah's David. V'loy Ala Giyiris. Not on the name, not because of the Giyiris Megillah's Rus. Vitiris. That's why the Gemara is answering. Hainu Kiilu Atam Megillah's David. By calling it Rus, it's the same as calling it Megillah's David. Ki Rus Ratzolaymer Rivus Rius Revus. Uh, Rus means the same as satiating. Rus and David, as I'll explain, both of them satiated HaKadosh Baruch Hu with praise and with shira. So calling it Rus is essentially calling it David, because that was the essence of both of their lives. Now he explains. He wants to teach us something with this. This is a Pasuk in Parshish Kisava, in the middle of the Teichacham. All those courses in the Klalot that we, we just had in Bechukaisai, they're, they're repeated over there again in um, Kisabai. But over there, there's a Pasik that does not appear in Artecha, and that is, It's because you haven't served Hashem, your God, in happiness, and with a happy heart, when you had everything. So you will serve your enemies, Barav, in hunger, with and thirst, and with unclothed, missing everything. Now, typically, you read this passage, and what it means is that you had your chance to serve Hashem when you had everything, and you didn't utilize it, so now you're going to have to do it without everything. He says that's not what the passage means. The Gemara is telling that this is what it means. That a person should serve Hashem in happiness and in joy. It should mean more to you than any everything that you could possibly have. So doesn't mean you had everything. It means because you didn't serve Hashem in a way that made you so happy, more than any physical and material possession in this world could possibly make you happy. 
because that wasn't the way you served Hashem, means that your service of Hashem was, other things were maybe sometimes more important, that's why you're going to lose everything. And he explains, Elimelech, the, the, the husband of Nami, this is what he transgressed. He left Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Mayav, and he went to Eretz and he didn't want to continue staying in Eretz Yisrael, even though it would be difficult, even though, but it would afford him the opportunity to serve Hashem in Eretz Yisrael, and the holiness of Eretz Yisrael, all the mitzvahs that are, only can be done there, Yosem Rivkal was more important to him, his physical possessions, his material wealth, and he would only be able to hold on to it by moving to Maya, where there wasn't a hunger, and there wasn't, uh, there, 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 he, he would be able to keep his wealth to himself. Alkain is and that's why what happened to him was the column of Atalmi Oisher. If you transgress the Torah when you're wealthy, then the end will be that you'll lose everything and you'll continue doing that poor. Which is what happened to Alimal, he lost everything he had. But Rus was the exact opposite. Ozva Amo Melarata, she abandoned her nation and her, 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 where she grew up. Her, her birthplace, Lavin Hashem Be'eretz because she wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael, and she chose Hashem over Roiv Kal. And therefore, Yatsam Yimena David, Sherivayu LaKadosh Baruch Hu B'Shir Sishibachas, and from her came out David HaMelech, who also satiated HaKadosh Baruch Hu with his praises and his songs. How? Be'eth Sar, whenever he was suffering, Be'varuch Ebenei Avishalom B'nai, when his son Avishalom tried to kill him, he praised HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Mizmol David. Be'varuch Ebenei Shal B'ma'ara, he was running away from Shal HaMelech, hiding in a cave. He mizmol David. Yan Hashem biyem tzara mizmol David. He 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 Hashem should answer us when we're in pain. B'shanosias time of Navi Melech. He was risking his life in front of Navi Melech, who was about to be killed. He had to play the the part of of a uh, someone who's insane. Alakol shiras the shishbachas. All of those he always praised Hashem. V'soifa in the end, kaim tarim oisher. He merited to become the king of Klal Yisrael, and he was kaim the tarim through wealth. Alkein nikreis hamegilas rus. That's why it's called megilas rus. So now that we read it, let's think about it because there's a lot of depth in here. <clears throat> he says that Rus and David were both revealed Hakadosh Baruch Hu b'Shir Sishbacha. They both uh, praised Hakadosh Baruch Hu. They satiated Hakadosh Baruch Hu b'Shir Sishbacha. Now Rus didn't say any praise that we know of, right? She didn't sing any Mizmari Tehillim. What he's saying is, is that Rus satiated Hakadosh Baruch Hu through her life. Which what, what, what that means is, is that, as this Pasik says, the person needs to serve Hashem, have such pride and such joy and such simcha and such, it, make, it should give him such fulfillment from serving Hashem that there is no physical and material possession in the world that can come to that, that can mean anything compared to that. And that's what, that's what Rus did. Rus gave up every single meaningful physical and material possession a person could possibly have. She gave up her identity, she gave up her, her, her family, she gave up her royalty, she gave up, she became poor, destitute, um, a stranger in a land that nobody knew her and not that friendly to her, essentially, she wouldn't have been friendly to her. And she gave it all up because a, a meaningful relationship with Hashem was more important to her than all that. None of it was more important to her. That gave, that's what gave her joy, and none of the other things would have given her joy. So she abandoned all that, and she served Hashem. Yoiser miroiv kail. Elimel did the opposite. That's what she did. She did. She gave it up more than rivkail, and that was what was satiating a kaddish baruch with shiras and shabbos. That her life was a living process of satiating a kaddish baruch with shiras and shabbos. That was her life. Now, I'm sorry. I'm trying to grasp the word. Satiated means it's like a, a full, 
accomplishment of what a person is meant to accomplish. It's, uh, that's when you get, become satiated. So because Baruch becomes satiated with us when we accomplish all that we're meant to accomplish. We achieve our full potential. Right? So both David and, uh, and, and, and Ruas accomplished that. And David HaMelech, likewise, he praised Hashem. But what was important about the way he praised Hashem is that all, every bad thing that could possibly happen to anybody happened to David HaMelech. And he was wanted, his own son wanted to murder him. And his father-in-law, Shaul HaMelech, was chasing him for most of his beginning of his life. He was being, you know, hounded by David Shaul HaMelech, who was trying to kill him at every turn. Uh, he, he had numerous other, if you learn through Sefer Shmuel, numerous other difficulties, and he, he, at every point in his life, he was saying, Mizmar, Mizmar he was praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he was happy and he was joyful. It all meant more to him the fact that he had a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And now, of course, we can understand much better the connection of Megillus Rus to Kabbalah Satara and Shavuos. Because this, seemingly, is the essence of Kabbalah Satara. The essence of Kabbalah Satara is that if we don't recognize that Tyra is more valuable than any other physical and material possession, then we have no concept of what Tyra really is. Now, uh, do we suffer weakness at times, of course, right? Do we strive for better? Yeah, hopefully. Uh, but in our minds, at least, right? Logically speaking, we understand, and that's why we're Jews, and that's why we keep what we keep, and that's why we live the life we live, is because we recognize that the Torah is way more valuable than anything possibly could, and it's the only thing that will give us meaning, the only thing that gives us purpose, and it's the only thing worth striving for. So the essence of a Kabbalah's Torah is what Rus and David HaMalach both demonstrated with their lives, that nothing else is important, nothing else will make them happy, and nothing else gave them reason to praise Hashem and to sing, other than having a relationship with Hashem. Nothing else could take away from it. But let's try to take this a step further. Right? This is a beautiful Psalm Sefer. But let's see, how do we get to there? Right? It's nice to talk about that. It's nice to say we should think that. But what can we do to actually develop something like that? Now, this is if we try to actually understand the true nature of the connection of between David Amalek and Rus, and the relationship that he had with his great-grandmother Rus, uh, then we'll see some insight how they both gained this, time, this kind of greatness. So, a disclosure. What you're about to hear is going to sound very strange. <laughs> uh, but with a little uh, explanation, I think we'll appreciate the beauty and the relevance of this astounding Chazal. So this is a, this is a Gemara in the Sefer's Yuma. The Gemara says like this. Gemara Chabez and Bez. It's third, third source here. Amr Rabbi Huda Amr Shmuel. Rabbi Huda said in the name of Shmuel. Why was it that Shaul was not, didn't merit that his lineage should continue? Initially, it was meant that it should be a continued lineage and he would have children and grandchildren that would all be kings, but it didn't happen. Why? Because he didn't have any blemish in his life. There was nothing that was wrong or embarrassing or humiliating about him. Won't appoint a leader over the tzibur, over the, the crowd uh, of unless he has a box of vermin hanging from behind him. Because if he becomes uh, arrogant, what? Well, can of worms, so to speak, yeah. <laughs> if he becomes arrogant, I'm in love, look behind you and you'll see what's there. So Rashi explains, 
Shaul, there was no daifi, mishpacha, he had no problems, no blemishes in his family. We weren't so worried about Shaul, but his children eventually, who would not be on his level, would become arrogant, and they would uh, have the Nisai in the test of, of uh, ultimate power, absolute power, and would corrupt them. David, he came from Rus, and that was a tremendous blemish, it was a kupushal shratzen, it was a can of worms or a box of vermin, uh, and that's why he was appointed, that's why Kodesh made him king, and that's why his kingdom lasted, right? So, wow. <laughs> now we're saying that Rus was the most embarrassing thing about David Hamel. Yeah, yes, that's why he became king, but it was because she was such an embarrassing thing in his lineage, that's why he was there to become king. Now, when you think about that, it's like, why would we lane the Megillus Rus then? If we're trying to praise David, you'd think that, that David Amalek was trying to contain that fact as much as possible. He wouldn't want anybody to know that he came from Rus. That wasn't something he was proud of. Um, and <coughs> this blemish, you should know, was not only a factor of how, in how Hashem chose David, but it was something David really suffered from in multiple ways. And he talks to Hashem about it a number of times in Tehillim. Uh, so first time the Pasik we say every night in Kriyashma Shalamita, Rigzuval right? So Rigzuval Tachatoa means get angry and don't sin. So it's, there's many different ways to explain the Pasik, but Chazal uh, say what it means is, um, yeah, fourth source here. Rav Abba Barakahana Pasach, Rav Abba Barakahana said, Rigzu Baltachato, get angry and don't sin. Amr Dabal of Nehekaj Baruch, David said to Hashem, At Amos Ahemus Ragzim Olai, how long will I have to deal with them getting angry at me? Doesn't he have a blemish in his family? Isn't he from Rusam Avia? Why is he king? Because he had to be someone who had pure yuchos in order to be a king of Klai Yisrael. What business does David Amal have being king? He comes from Rosh Hashanah. This kind of reminds me of like, you know, Russian collusion with uh, Lehavdil with Trump, right? He, just couldn't get, he couldn't get free of it. People kept on talking about it. it, it the, the, he was saying, you know, it was, it was debated, it was, it was settled, it was gepaskened. They decided that it, you're allowed to marry uh, Amaya Via, and I can't get free of it. And they, they keep on pointing it out to me and getting angry about it. And the truth is that that controversy took a while to settle. Bayaz declared that Rus was kosher and he married her, but that did not settle the debate. Uh, you mentioned David HaMalach's uh, name. It was like pushing the button, uh, you know, touching the third rail. The Gemara says that when the, he was introduced to Shalom Alech the first time, Shalom Alech says, Ben Zeh Elam, who is this child? And the Gemara says, he wasn't asking who is he because he knew the family of Yeshua, but he was asking, is he worthy to be king one day? And immediately, Daig HaDaimi, who was from the Gedele Adari, was the Rosh Sanhedrin, he was the premier Kaltamu Chacham and Klai so he says, why are you asking, is he worthy to be king? He's not even worthy to get married to a regular Jew, a Jewish woman, because he comes from Rosh And uh, then immediately, tremendous controversy erupted, and then uh, Amasa Ben Yesar and, and others were arguing that he is, and they start having a halachic debate. The Gemara goes through the whole halachic debate, and Daig won, and he disproved everybody. And he said, no, he's not worthy of getting married. He's, he, he's possible. He's, come to, he's ascended from a Mayadi. Until Amasa ben Yasser said that I have a Messiah from the, the based in of Shmuel Hanavi and who accepted it from, 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 until Moshe Rabbeinu, it's kosher. You can't argue. And this took a long time to settle. And the Sefer of Megillus Rus was written by Shmuel Hanavi to settle this debate. That's why he wrote it. This is, um, this is brought down from Rav Shleim Alkavis, the person who wrote L'chadaydi. 
He says, there's no question that Shmuel Anavi wrote it to settle this debate. So he, he wrote it to show that Bayaz married him, and this was you know, written as part of Ksuvim with Ruch HaKadosh from Shmuel Anavi. And he says it was written later. It was written in the end of David's life, when, when, or the end of Shmuel's life, after David already became king, uh, for the sake of, of, of clarifying this debate. If it would have been around earlier, perhaps it would have settled the debate earlier. But that was the, say, the reason why they were. But this was something that haunted David. And it haunted him his whole life, and it haunted him in his in his his uh, kingdom as well. And yet, we and and the Gemara says that was why Hashem chose him because he should have this like you know little issue hanging over there in the closet, so we can always tell him don't be you know don't get too proud of yourself. Don't remember who where you come from. And yet we clearly lane the Sefer uh, uh, Megillus Rus for the sake of. The pride that they had in the fact that it descended from Ruth. So this seems to be inconsistent. And if you learn a little bit more about David Amal's life, he suffered from day one, even before he became king. From day one, he suffered from the fact that he was a, a, a grandson of uh, Rosa Mavia. There's another Pasik that we're familiar with, the Pasik in Hal. Evan Maso Abainim, uh, Pina. Take a look at number five over here. Hey. It's, so the Gemara Psachim says, this Pasik in Hal, right? Avamas Abainim, the stone that all the builders despised. Haisla Rishpina was used as the headstone, right? The cornerstone of the building. Who said this Pasik? Amra Yishai. Pasik the Gemara Psachim says, Yishai said this Pasik. Now, why would Yishai say this Pasik? I'll tell you why he said this Pasik. He said this Pasik because when Shmuel and Navi came with Hashem's command to Yishai, and he said, One of your sons is going to be anointed as a king in Klai Israel. Bring me all your sons. He brought all his sons. Didn't bring David. Didn't occur to him to bring David. He, Hashem says, bring me all your sons. We're going to choose one. He doesn't bring David. And Shmuel goes to this one. No, no. Hashem says, no, not him, not him, not him, not him. Uh, he goes through all of them. Nobody's here. He says, do you have another son? That's what Pasuk says. He asks to Yishai, do you have another son? So Yishai says, well, you don't mean David, right? I, he's the, 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 the one who's the, he's the shepherd. Uh, you don't mean him, right? He says, no, bring him. And Hashem says, that's the one. What's going on? He says, bring all your sons. Why doesn't he bring David? So there's, there's some, some, something more going on over here. He actually was Ma'asu Abayim. He didn't think he was fit to rule. But there's, there's uh, according to a number of farm, there's a, a Kliyakar on Tanakh, the Kliyakar that we know on Chomish. He has wrote a Sefer on Tanakh too. He also quotes from the Baal again, from the Rosham Alkavitz. And this is also a number of different Svarim, right? There's earlier Svarim as well. They say there's, another, there's a, very high, it's a highly surprising Medrash. You may have heard, but it's, a, it's a, a truly a, a surprising Medrash. And it's based on a Pasuk in Tehillim as well. The Pasuk is, it's in Tehillim Nanalef, Hain ba'avin chelalti, I was uh, born through sin, and through sin, my mother conceived me. This is David Amalek talking, okay? Um, and he's actually, the, the context is, he's asking Hashem for forgiveness for the sin that he did together with Bathsheba. And he's kind of explaining that, what do you want from me? You know, I was born through sin and, and I was conceived through sin. So what does this mean? So the Medrash says that Yishai, at one point in his life, became convinced that Bayas had made a mistake. And Rus Hamavia was not fit to be married. And thereby, by definition, he also was not fit to marry a regular Jewish woman. He was Usr. So he separated from his wife. He, has, he, came, he was a, one of the Gdel Adar, and he came to the halacha conclusion. So he therefore had to separate from his wife. So he separated from his wife for three years. After three years, he then, the only person he would halachically be allowed to marry, actually, would be a shifcha, a, a woman who was a slave, a slave woman. Go ahead. 
But uh, Ruth was married first with the son of Naomi, who was Jewish. Correct. So her sons were Jewish. The, the one, I mean, she was a widow. Right. Widower. Right. Uh, so she already had left her father and the princess and all of that. You mean already in, before He's she, before she converted. So and no, then, no, it's actually, that's, that's, that's so not correct. She, she actually, they moved to Mayav. And Alimelech, being such a wealthy person, was why the king of the region uh, consorted with him and had his daughter, Rus, marry one of his children. It, she was still actually in the lap of luxury when she was married to, oh, so to Alimelech's children. Not she was not converted. Simply, it seems she was not converted yet at that point. Yeah. Oh. She was not converted so at that she point. Was, so she was still non Jewish. It's one of the great conundrums <laughs> in, uh, in uh, I don't, I don't talk about now. I've given another share about that. Yeah. It is a great conundrum, but it's not something we can okay. discuss right now. So, Somehow no, no, that I, happened. I, I yeah. no, yeah, that's correct. You're, 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 you're explain why, what the issue was with Rasta Moabi. Oh, oh, the issue wasn't that she was non-Jewish. The issue was that... A Moabit, uh, Right, Moab, there, you're not... The, the terrorist says that a Moabit man can never... I mean, can convert, but he can never marry a Jewish woman. He could only marry a slave or whatever. Not, but he can't marry a regular Jewish woman. And the question was, does a Moabit woman have the same status or not? That was the big controversy. And eventually it was decided that she does not have the same status and she could marry. But that was the, that was the issue that was... That hadn't been settled until Shmuel Anabi. Okay, so in any case, uh, Yishai became concerned that Bayaz had made a mistake. He separated from his wife for three years and then decided he's going to marry his slave woman, uh, his shifcha, because that was the only person he was permitted to marry. Now she um, was still faithful to her master, the uh, Mrs. Yishai, I don't know what her name was, so she told her that your husband is now planning on marrying me. So, so uh, Mrs. Yishai said, you know what, let me take care of this. And, and the night that the shivcha, the, 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 the non-Jewish, the, the slave woman was supposed to have the matire herself, gone through a ritual tahara, she did herself, Mrs. Yishai went through that process. And she was uh, together with her husband, and somehow he didn't know. Maybe he was blind, I don't know, it's not clear how he didn't know, but he didn't. He didn't, he didn't know that it was her, and he thought it was the shivcha. And then she got pregnant. With David now he thought she had been uh, she had been unfaithful, uh, so he divorced her, and his thought was that David Melch wasn't his child. He didn't think it was his son, and he thought he was uh, a manzer. He thought it was uh, you know that's what he thought he was. He allowed him to be his shepherd. He had he had mercy on him. He gave him a job, but he didn't think it was his own son, and she resented David Melch as well because because of him, she got divorced from her husband. So both his parents literally despised him. Evan Masu Abainim is very literal. They both didn't even think it was, she, she usually didn't think it was his son. And she resented the whole story that happened as a result. <coughs> now when Shmuel, one second, when Shmuel said, do you have another son? The measure says he called his wife and he says, whose son is this? I don't know why he didn't do this years, 20 years earlier. Again, we don't know all the whole background to the story, but he asked her, and she said, no, it's your son. And that was the first moment that he knew that David Amalek was his son. Now, others say that he always knew that it was his son. But the fact that he had thought it was a shifcha and really it wasn't, and it was his wife, that it gave him, uh, he felt that that, that, that was impugned the, 
purity of such a you know such a union and and there was a problem with Avramel. He felt it was either so either he knew it was his son or it wasn't his son. But he said, there's no way he could be king. So either he didn't think it was his son or he saw this kind a son that came from such a kind of union. There's no way he could be king. So when Shmuel and uh, Shmuel and Navi came and asked, "Do you have?" Uh, where are all your sons? He had no. He was Evan Masa Abayim. He literally despised David. He had no, either didn't think it was the son. He had no thought in the world that he could be the one Shmuel Navi is talking about. So just think about for a minute um, the kind of misery, the kind of misery and pain David Amal suffered, the humiliation, this first twenty-eight years of his life. Right? This Evan Masa Abayim. Both his parents, one didn't think either. They didn't think it was his child, or they just. They, they detested him, and they thought he was worthless. And what does David Amalek do? He makes a pasuk and tell him. <laughs> and how? Not in Kinnis. That's where we would put it, right? <laughs> we would talk about such a chapter in our life. David Amalek puts it into how? What are you going to ask? No, I, this part of the story I've heard, <clears> but I never really thought about the fact that there's there's a sketchy, I mean, not really, right. but I'm saying from our perspective, the, the lineage of, of, of Mashiach, going back to Yehuda and Tamar, yeah. so why wouldn't Nishai think back and say, you know, I'm, I'm saying there is... Why wouldn't he understand what was going on? Here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and Nishai, wasn't he one of the people listed as having n- never sinned? Correct. So, I'm saying... This was not a sin as, right. as well. Right. It wasn't, right, and as much as... And even in terms of the union, how he was, how David Melch came into the world, right. it's kind of similar to... I what mean, happened to Yehuda and Tamar, correct, and it is similar, it is. It, it, I, I'm not going to um, get into the Kabbalah diga, you know, the whole no, background know, of that. Right. No, 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 it's, 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 there's a lot written about that. But I'm actually going to just focus on the way Chazal, that we're learning, the Kupashal Shratzim uh-huh. approach, uh-huh. Which, which applies to this as well. This also wasn't a great thing about Dov's lineage, the fact that his, he was born itself through such a questionable circumstance. So okay. let's just continue on that point for a minute. So let me just, I just want to finish this point. So, so David Amalek takes... Uh, the point of his life, which would be the saddest, you know, most well, most depressing part of his life, and instead of you know whining about it uh, and 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 you know giving up on the rest of his life, instead it becomes a pasuk in hal. and it's exactly what the Chassam Sefer says. It's someone whose value in life wasn't anything physical, was nothing in the material world. It didn't matter to him, the way his father looked at him, the way his mother looked at him, the way the whole world looked at him. All that mattered to him was his relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It was Tachas HaShavad Talakim B'Simcha B'Tuv Le'Vav Me'Rev Kal. It was more important to him, it was the only thing that mattered to him, more than anything in this world. Ha'isla Rosh Pina, Saifel You will end up eventually then being meriting wealth. And, and greatness. So David Amalek just saw this as the natural progressions of thing. If, if what you value is a Kaddish Baruch Hu, then what will happen is But not only that, what he saw, and this is where it, it will get even a, a little bit of a deeper insight here, what he saw was that the Evan Masa Abayim was integral for Haisla Pina. It was because that he had that in his life, that kind of difficulty, that test of Evan Masa Abaynim, that he was despised and, 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 and his parents you know, det- resented him, it's what brought him to become the great person that he was because exactly what Chazal say, the Kupashal Shratzim, he recognized that the more he was able to humble himself, the closer he got to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So it was that recognition in and of itself 
that he understood that this is not a bad thing. This was not a bad, this is Hal. It's something I'm going to praise the Kaddish Baruch Hu about. In Hal, the Abimah Sabayinim, that's what brought me to the, the, the High Silo Reish Pina. Now, um, the other Pasik, this Pasik of of the Heim Ba'ava in Chalalti Imi, where he talks about how his, he was born through all that confusion, he is asking Hashem for forgiveness because of the, the Avera together with Bacheva and that whole story, whatever the Pshat that story is, not going to get into that. But later in that, par- in that parak is a Pasik that we're familiar with. Zivche Elohim Ruach Nishpara. Uh, you know, that part of the Pasuk is Lev Tar, Brali Alekim, that's also in that parak. Lev Tar, Brali Alekim, Ruach, Anach, and Chadash, Bekirbi. But he says, Zuvche Alekim, Ruach, Nishbara. It's like sacrifices to HaKadosh Baruch It's like bringing a carbon, having a broken spirit. And that was the recognition David HaMal had. I want to get close to HaKadosh Baruch And one would think the best way to get close to HaKadosh Baruch is just bring sacrifices, right? Go to the base of Mikdash and bring as many carbonas as you can. No. That's not the best way. The best way to get close to Kaddish Baruch Hu is Ruach Nishbara. That's what Shmuel HaNavi tells Shaul HaMelech when he's giving him, he's chastising him, he's rebuking him on his sin. He tells him, <coughs> Do you think Hashem wants an Ayla and a Zevach, those karbanas, those sacrifices? Hashem wants you to listen to him. Listening to Hashem is better than bringing a carbon. So for a, for a David HaMelech, Anything that achieves that I should be able to gain the level, the greatness of Ruach Nishbara, of a true humble spirit, every aspect of his suffering to him was, was just a step in what he was trying to accomplish in life. It was the closest to Kaddish Baruch. Now, it gets a little bit better than this, and we'll, this, is, this is where we'll be able to understand how we can relate to this kind of very lofty things. Um, David Malach, as you mentioned, was, he was descended from three great women. And we'll understand more as we finish why it's specifically these women that uh, played such a big role in who David Malach was. So he was, the first woman was from his father's side, is Yehuda and Tamar. Right? So Tamar, Tamar was his, his great 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 grandmother through his lineage through Yehuda. Uh, and then on his mother's side, first there was the daughter of Light, that uh, who is the for the mother of Mayav, um, and other Svarim say that uh, Rus was actually a Gilgal of, of that daughter of Light, the oldest eldest daughter of Light, and then Rus. So these three women: Tamar, the daughter of Light, and Rus. And all three of them have something very much in common. They all lived life very similar way. Let's start with the the daughter of Light. Why did the daughter of Light? Why did she live with her father? Why did she do that? The Pasuk says why she did that. She thought that when Sadaim and Amira that was all wiped out, she said there are no more men, young men, alive. That's it. And she did it, L'Shem Shemaim. And Rashi says it, the Mepharshim say it, the Gemara says it, the Medr says it. Lalite's daughter lived with her father 100,000% L'Shem Shemaim for the sake of bringing more children into the world because she knew that's what Hashem wants. She had no pleasure from it. It was her father, you could imagine. There was, uh, it said, the, the Pasik says there was wine in this cave. So Rashi says, where is wine? How did wine find its way into this cave? It was a miracle. Because Baruch arranged the situation that should happen. She knew she would suffer the greatest humiliation possible, eternal humiliation from this, and that's exactly what happened. 
Rashi says that the, the social media outburst was so bad. Really, that's, that's actually what Rashi says. I don't know how they communicated, you know, maybe paper airplane, but Rashi says that Abraham Avinu had to move away because of the embarrassment of what happened to Light and his daughters. Abraham Avinu could not live in the area anymore. It was just too embarrassing, right? So everybody was talking about it. She <laughs> suffered eternal humiliation and she knew that was going to happen. And she nonetheless did it, which means she was willing to give up. Uh, there was no pleasure involved. There was no personal gratification. There was nothing for her. She was giving up any sense of honor and dignity that she had just for the sake of bringing children into the world. There is a machlekes among Mepharshim and Al-Shech and others. Did she even have the intention that she knew that this is the way Mashiach was going to come to the world? Some say that she actually had that intention because she knew that from Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu had taught that to, her, to them that it was necessary for the children to come to the world, for Mashiach to come, so she actually even had that intention, or she simply had the intention, you know, Hashem commanded us to have children, and that's why she did it. So it was the greatest, well? Why did she blow up? I thought that was a negative thing. So there's, there's different uh, opinions about that. Tarashi says it was, the fact that she was so open about it was uh, considered, you know, a, a strike on her, Part she should have covered it up somewhat more. It was from her father. There's others. There's a, oh, sorry, I can't go into now. But this says that this, she had a reason why she did it. She did it so that people shouldn't say it was a uh, immaculate conception. People shouldn't say that it was that he's a god. So, well, yeah, she had some foresight. I, the concept probably existed already then. So, the Gemara says that humiliation is worse than death. The Gemara says this in terms of uh, actually has a halachic uh, ramification, but we know that humiliation is worse than death, right? People give up their life to preserve their honor. People give up their life for country. It's it's people value honor more than life. So she was willing to accept this eternal disgrace just for the sake of a kaddish baruch. So that was the daughter of light. Go ahead. At what point do we say you can do an Avera in order to do what you think? That's an right? excellent question. It's a Yari Valyabra, it's a Yari as well, also correct. So, there's a Medrash that says that HaKadosh Baruch said to her, not directly to her, but about her, that what you've done essentially should enrage me, but I know you did a L'Shem Shemai. Now, to answer your question, I don't have an answer to your question, really. But the the the, the, the should ba- be a guide, right? Like, right there should be a guide. So one 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 rule that Vilna Gaon says, uh, which there's some questions on, so I'm not going to get into it too much. But the one rule he says is that the concept of the Averil Shema that you can you can the ends justifies the means basically uh, only existed before the Torah was given. So before the Torah was given, so you could justify an Avera if there was a greater purpose involved. After the Torah was given, you have to follow what the Torah says. Now, there's some problems with that, but that's, as a basic rule, it works. Well, so we'll go with that. The, whatever he did with Pacheva was after the Torah. It was. And he, he didn't uh, claim it was right. He, he did Shuva as well, a result, right? Why did he justify it? That's another discussion. Yeah. What he thought at the time is a good question. But... Ultimately, when he was told it was wrong, he admitted his wrongdoing and he did tshuva. So, you know, we don't have to uh, we don't have to explain that it was correct. Now, uh, Tamar did the exact same thing as the daughter of Light. Tamar wanted to have the child of Ramavinu, who she knew that she actually knew she was a Baal She knew it was going to be uh, the Mashiach will come, and she was so tsunua. Right, Tamar was so tsunua that Yehuda didn't recognize her. Right, so she was so tsunua that 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 she somehow that she didn't even know what she looked like, and she went. She exposed herself. She sat al em hadrachim and open 
in, in public and in an exposed way, presented herself as a, someone who does that kind of thing. And then she lived together with Yehuda. Again, no personal pleasure out of it. It was done in a way that certainly disgusted her. She did not want to have to do it that way. But she, and she also knew she was risking her life, which she was. She also knew that this would bring great disgrace to her, which it did. And it will bring ignominy on Yehuda, which it did. Yehuda had to suffer from the disgrace of this for years. Years he suffered from the disgrace of this act. And yet she did it because of the Shem Shemayim, because of the fact that you knew this is the way Mashiach needed to happen, this is the way the, 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 the Malchus was going to happen, the royalty was going to happen. So she also did the greatest self-sacrificial act possible in having this chocolate. It looks like, if you look from uh, Yitzhak, uh, Yosef, and all, all of them, they had to either cheat, change, uh, still do something, you know, um, questionable. Questionable. That is absolutely, and, and even from Moshe, you know, as yes. well. Look, so I, I'll stop you right there. there. Every one of those is a good question, and everyone has a good answer. <laughs> but there's no one answer that answers all yeah, the questions. It, it it's not a rule. Like it's not one rule. It's not. It's incorrect. Was the one that was wrong and the one that was that? No. Uh, you no. know, if, yeah, if yeah, he yeah. went to his father and put the skin to look like his brother, that was okay. That's that is why we have the benefit of uh, Midrashim and Chazal that explain each one and explain the approach. That so we don't come to that conclusion. <laughs> that that, yeah. that would be the making a generality, which would be an incorrect conclusion. So, well, let's just stick with um, with this point. So now Rus, as well, uh, not only did she give up everything she had in order to convert, which she did, but then she did it again when she married Bayas. She was also giving up everything because she could have married someone. And she could have married someone that actually would not have been questionable. Marrying Bayas created that controversy. There were people that she would have been allowed to marry, even being a Mayavite woman. As we said, slave. There are, there are people she could have married and could have had a nice, simple life. No questions, no controversy. And a young person, someone that she may have had a nice life with. And she gave it all up again to marry Bites. But here is we can find the secret, how she did it, and what her outlook was. It's in a Pasuk that, that, um, that Bites himself says. So that's the Pasuk uh, it's on the other side over here. Vayemer, Rabbi tells her, Brucha at Lashem Biti, you're blessed to Hashem. You're now, this, this kindness that you're doing now is greater than your first kindness. You're not following the young men, because even if he'd be poor or rich, he's better than me. So it's uh, a better choice than me. So he says, your first kindness uh, pales in comparison to this kindness. What's the first kindness? What is he talking about? What is that first kindness? The Targum says, the first kindness is that you convert it. Kindness. What are you being kind to when you convert? <laughs> You're doing it for your own sake, essentially. Why is that kindness? You should have said, your first sacrifice pales in compared to this sacrifice. Uh, he would say, uh, right? your, 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 your giving up of yourself was greater, uh, your, la- your last one, than your, your first. So take a look at the Schas. This is Meshav Nefesh, the Bach. The Bach lived in the 1600s. He was one of the, the greatest Paiskin um, that we have. You know, he's uh, one of, the, one of the, the foundations of halacha. But he wrote a Pirish on Miguel's Rus as well. And he wrote, 
Shebe'emes, the truth is, Geiris hi chesed gadol im ha'olam, converting is a tremendous kindness with the world. Why? Shemevi la'olam ha'shafel, you're bringing to this lowly world, Oid neshama shal Yehudi, another Jewish soul. Shetairis ha'olam, that should light up the world. Ba'erat taira, with the light of the taira. Ve'geiris hi chesed im Yisrael, and you're doing chesed with Klal Yisrael. Shemechazik le'isayim oid Yehudi, you're strengthening Klal Yisrael with another Jew. Hanovu le'beis Yisrael, who will connect to Klal Yisrael. Ve'hu chesed la'atzmai, and it's a kindness with yourself. With your own soul, it will light and light up the world with the light of the Torah and eternal life. Now, let's try to understand this. It's the ultimate chesed, the ultimate kindness, because you're being kind with the world, bringing a Jewish soul into the world, you're being kind with God, so I'm being kind with yourself. Very good. It's exactly the, the, the comparison I was going to make. Now, I think this sheds light on exactly what it was that Rus was doing, her outlook, and how we can relate to it and how we can actually grow from it because she didn't look at what she was doing as a sacrifice neither did Light, daughter and neither did Tamar it was not a sacrifice it was a kindness using that example when we ask a person what is having children is it a sacrifice or is it kindness what would you say both right <laughs> so it's clearly both right uh, and I think um, um, if um, we would ask, let's think about it. When we're having children, why are we having children? Are we having children for ourselves? Are we having children for their sake? I think we could also truthfully, truthfully say they're both true. And they can both be true and they're not a contradiction. So let's think about it. When you have a child, you are giving up essentially everything, right? You're giving up your peace of mind <laughs> to start with. Uh, it's painful. And you're also um, giving up your freedom. You're giving up uh, your, your, your resources. You're requiring yourself to work so hard. And then there comes all the emotional issues and the difficulty of raising children, etc., etc., etc. There's a tremendous amount of sacrifice that goes into having children. And do we look at it as a sacrifice? Yes, we do look at it as a sacrifice. But does anybody look back? Does anybody look back at mm-hmm. having children and say, you know, oh my gosh, it was such a sacrifice. It wasn't worth it, right? No, you don't even look at it that way. Yeah, it was difficult. We recognize the sacrifice, but we look at it as the biggest blessing in the world. We have children. That's the greatest blessing a person can possibly have is to have a child. But why is it such a big blessing? Why, why are having children such a big blessing? It's such a big blessing because we can give to them. So it's because we have the ability to give to them and to love them and to be loved and to give and to have what we give received. That makes it the greatest opportunity in the world, the greatest blessing in the world, the greatest gift in the world. The ability to sacrifice is in it at the same time the greatest thing that we are receiving. Now when you think about it even more, what it is is that we um, look at our children as ours. These are our children, right? Not true. Not even to, not an iota of truth in that. Our children are not ours. They belong to us. They're not ours. Why do we call them ours? Because they're our opportunity. We're the only ones who can give them love. We're the only ones who can give them what they need. Nobody else can give them what a parent can give them. So that's why they're ours. They are our potential. They are our opportunity to give. That's what's ours about our children. So when we talk about the chesed, 
of of uh, here in terms of Rus, right? Of, of, and really, this is the way we're meant to look at what it means to be pekabel to accept the Torah, and to keep the Torah. It's the ultimate kindness. Who are you being kind with? You, what you, you're being kind, even when we talk about to your own soul, it's exactly like having children. You're giving to someone else for the sake of taking for yourself. But that is not a chisar, that's not a problem of not doing it, uh, you know, l'shma, for the sake of Hashem. It's like, I do mitzvah so that I should be able to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Is that lacking in, in, in having true intention and pure intention? That's the purest intention possible. The purest intention is to become close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yet, by becoming close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we gain so much, we're so uplifted and so, and it makes us, fills us with joy and contentment. Yes, and that's the point. That's not a, that's not a, a contradiction to chesed that is the greatest epitome of what chesed really is. When a person recognizes, and Hashem made it with children, due to the fact that Hashem wants the world to, you know, the people should reproduce and the world should fill with people, He made this a very easy concept to understand, and it's natural for us. It's in it that we have that in us, and women more so than men, that uh, the need to have a child and the need to experience that love and to be loved and to that experience that giving. But that is a microcosm of what our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch was meant to be. We, we give up everything of ourselves so that we can experience giving up everything of ourselves. As we give up everything ourselves to our children so that we can experience having a child and giving everything of ourselves from it. So Rus was Megayer, and she gave up everything possible so that she could give up everything possible, so that she can give up all of, of everything that identified as herself, all that was her identity, so that there would be room for a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so she could be filled with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Just as when we give up everything with our, for our child, we become filled with love of our child. We actually, our child becomes a part of us. The essence of chesed is when we are willing to be unselfish, give up of ourselves, and through giving up of ourselves, now suddenly there's room for other people. And we can encompass other people. And the more great a person is, the more they're willing to give up themselves, the more people they can encompass. And ultimately, that's how we can have room for HaKadosh Baruch within ourselves as well. So that's why Kedusha is explained in this term. Holiness is the more a person is willing to give up of themselves. Think of it this way. In our, even in simple terms, someone's a good person and someone's an evil person. It always boils down to this. A good person is a person who puts other people's needs before themselves, they're sensitive to other people, they care about other people, they're willing to do things for other people, they give up from their own time to help other people, and the more a person is willing to do that, the better and more holy we view that person. What's an evil person? Think of the most evil person you can think of, right? The cruelest dictator, psychopathic, you know, uh, world destruction person. What is that? That person is the most selfish person in the world. That's what they are. They do not care about anybody else. They take what they want. They take what they need with cruelty, with uh, dispassionate, dispassionate with, with total disregard for anybody around them. It's the utmost selfishness. That is how every person in the world describes evil and good. It boils down to how much are you willing to give up of yourself versus how much are you just taking everything for yourself. Rus did the ultimate act of kindness by giving up everything from herself so that she can receive a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. She gave up everything from herself so she could be encompassed Kal Yisrael within herself. She gave up everything of herself so the world could have another Jew. It was the ultimate act of selflessness 
so that she could give to others, so that she could be, she 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 could bring holiness, she could bring a kaddish baruch into the world, so that she could have a connection to a kaddish baruch. It's the same concept that we have children, so that we can have children, so we can give to them, so that we can have our children, we can have that relationship with our children. It's not a contradiction to chesed; it's the ultimate of what chesed really is, and that is the essence of how Rus looked at the world and how David looked at the world. There was nothing in this world that could put him down, that could make him sad, that could discourage him, that could deter him. Every, every ounce of suffering, every aura of discomfort was contributing to his Ruach Nishbar, to his ability to be humble. The Kupashal Shratzim that Chazal say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu appointed him as king because he had this, this, this blemish in his yichus, it was actually David Amal's greatest pride. It was his pride that he had a grandmother like Rus, who lived her life the way he's living his life, who, who taught him that the, the, the meaning of life is to, that everything is worthwhile to be lived through, to, to give up for the sake of giving. You're not giving up. What you're really doing is giving. And by giving, you're receiving. You're receiving that relationship with HaKadosh Baruch So in, in, in Rus, David HaMelech saw that the suffering that he had in the beginning of his life is... It caused me, it, it brought me to the greatest uh, greatness. That's why these two concepts, why we lay in Megillus Rus, which is because Tyre is all about chesed, and Rus was the forebear of David HaMelech, and that's his lineage, it's the same thing. It's teaching us how to accept the Tyre. Understand, we, what, what we need to understand to relate to the Torah is that by accepting the Torah, what we're doing is enabling ourselves to give of ourselves in the greatest way. Every part of the Torah, every mitzvah is another little piece of us taking away a little bit of our selfishness and doing for others, doing for the sake of bringing holiness to the world, doing it for the sake of bringing HaKadosh Baruch Hu down into the world so that we can be connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so that we can have that relationship and that is worthwhile above all else. And when we look at things through that lens, then there's nothing in this world that can be perceived as, 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 that takes, that, there's nothing in this world that takes away from that. Everything in the world will only contribute to that. All the suffering of David Amal, he only saw it as a method of him achieving a greater level of humility, a greater level of, of total subjugation to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of opening himself even further. And it's, there, it was, that's why it was so integral for a king to have that. Because, as we said, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Without that nature that was built into David Amal's DNA and then went through all his children, there was only one or two of them, of his, of his children, that were chastised and rebuked by the Navi for being arrogant. They're rebuked for a lot of different things. They're all different kinds of things. Being arrogant, only two. And very specific stories. And they were punished for it. But it wasn't something that, that wasn't an issue with David Amal's children. They inherited the midah of humility, which was integral for the, be able to be a king who, a nefesh, uh, nefesh HaMelech is supposed to be nefesh kol Yisrael. He has to have the ability to encompass all of Kal Yisrael within his soul. So, in summary, what we learned is that we lane Rus on Shavuos both because it demonstrates the importance of Chesed in the Torah, of the Torah, and it demonstrates the connection of Rus and Davon What's the connection to Shavuos? The Chassam Seifer explained to us that the connection is um, 
Rus lived her life demonstrating that serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu is more important and more worthwhile and gives her happiness over anything, any possible physical possession. And that's the way David HaMelech lived his life as well. He constantly praised Hashem. No suffering ever meant anything to him. All it meant was he could praise Hashem. As a result, he can become closer to Hashem. As a result, both of them were revealed Hakadosh Baruch Hu with Shir They satiated. They achieved their purpose through praising Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And what we see now was that it was specifically due to all the difficulty involved in having a grandmother like Rus, the blemish of the questionable yichus, the questionable right to be a king, the questionable right to even get married, to be a an active member of Klal Yisrael. All the pain that that's, and suffering that caused him as a child, his parents didn't want to have anything to do with him, and nobody thought him worthy of anything. All that pain was translated by David and Malach into a reason why he became Rosh Pina, why he became a king. Avim is what caused me to be Rosh Pina. And it's that mindset of perceiving every aspect of Kabbalah Satara, everything we do in Taira and Mitzvah as just a method of giving, a method of giving of ourselves, of, of, of being less selfish, of being more encompassing other people, more including, inclusive of all of class, of being able to have space in our souls for everybody and anybody. It's that mindset that enables us to develop that kind of greatness uh, necessary to be able to be Mikabal Tatar. That's the that's the how we and why we lay in Rus as a preparation for Matan Tara, so that we can learn to make that association. Like keeping the Tara is not a sacrifice. On the contrary, it's the greatest way to receive through giving.